Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Yeah, yeah, hey, well, it is Christmas week, so exciting. Is anyone excited about this week? Come on, Christmas week, watching online here in the auditorium. Man, this is, this is the holy week of Christmas where we are celebrating the fact that Jesus came. My name is Pastor JF. So honored that you would spend part of your Sunday with us. And I just feel like anybody who's in church while the Seahawks are actually playing the game, you're going straight to heaven. I'm, I, I don't know. I don't, that's, not, that's not my call. I'm just kidding around. But anyway, uh, just want to say thanks for being here today. Uh, this, is, uh, this is such a special time, and I'm great grateful to, I get to be a part of this. You know, um, this is the, 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 the season of Christ, and this weekend we're going to remember Jesus coming, and we're going to celebrate that, that the Prince of Peace came to this broken place called Earth. And I want to talk about that today as we move into this week. And, you know, uh, a few years ago, um, I had an opportunity to be a part of something very special, uh, and it was an interfaith uh, conference slash training slash get to know each other kind of an opportunity that was hosted by uh, the uh, United Arab Emirates in the Middle East in their capital city of Abu Dhabi. And, and um, it was pretty incredible because uh, the government hosted and paid for, by the way, which that's always a cool thing, uh, uh, pastors, uh, Christian pastors from all over the world uh, uh, Jewish rabbis and uh, Islamic imams to come uh, to Abu Dhabi to uh, hear some different talks, but then ultimately to sit around tables uh, based on the part of the world that you live in with other uh, interfaith leaders. So I got to sit at a table, as a pastor representing the Northwest, I got to sit at a table with Jewish rabbis and Islamic imams, and the only rule that, we, that they presented to us, the rule was to simply talk on the subject of peace. To talk about what it means to be a faith leader in the community that you're in, somewhere in the world, what does it look like to promote peace, to exercise it, and to come together, come together to better our neighborhoods and communities. It was just a fascinating thing. So I remember, I remember sitting there. Have you, ever, by the way, have you ever been in one of those situations where you're like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like I, like I am. This is this. These people are way more important than me, right? Have you, I don't know if you've ever been there, but that's kind of how I felt. I was like, yeah, they don't want to hear what I have to say. But I remember them going around the table and. One of the rabbis and then the, the, the imam, they got to me. And man, I got, guess what I talked about? I talked about the Prince of Peace, Jesus, right? And I talked about what he's doing in Tacoma in this area, in the Middle East, in Abu Dhabi. And these guys were like, really? T- tell us more, you know? And it was just a really cool experience and, and, and a very rich one for me personally. And I, I can remember getting on the airplane in Dubai to fly back to New York City to finally get, come back to Seattle. And that long flight across the Atlantic Ocean. I remember I kind of dozed off in my seat and woke up and I didn't really know where I was at. Have you ever been there where you wake up, you're like, where am I? You know, here I'm in this airplane and it was at that point the lights were all off. People were sleeping and I got kind of thirsty. So I got up and I, I remember I walked down the long, long aisles of that 747 
And I went back there and one of the flight attendants gave me some water. And I was just standing there because my legs, I've been sitting there forever. And I'm standing, kind of, you know, kind of stretching the legs out. I'm kind of leaning in, I guess they call it kind of the galley area, you know, where they make, prepare the food and what. I'm just kind of sitting there leaning against the wall, drinking some water. And I, I just happened to look over and I see this elderly gentleman and it, it, I was struck by it because I watched him. He had something in his hand and I noticed it was a, it was a prayer mat. And I watched him as he laid, he laid this, in the, in the, on an airplane, he laid this prayer mat down and I noticed that he directed it towards the back of the plane. And I remembered that Muslims, when they pray, they lay their mat down and they pray towards the east. And why that's significant for them is because it faces their holy city of Mecca. Almost it's like, it's like they're compelled, like they're drawn to it. It's almost kind of like that's where they would prefer to be for that prayer, right? And I watched this elderly man as we were leaving the east, coming towards the west, as he pointed his mat down in a very symbolic way and he got down on his knees and he engaged in his Islamic ritualistic prayers. I had a moment where the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. I remember two years ago, pre-COVID, of course, where we had one of the most incredible Easter Sundays of my life right here at this church where thousands were on this campus. We had a massive Easter egg hunt that we had, that we had advertised the community and thousands showed up. In fact, hundreds got saved that day, I remember. But I, one, of the, one of my takeaways from that moment was I remember in between services, going outside because people were kind of waiting around from the, from the neighborhood and around waiting for the Easter egg hunt. But we still had another, another gathering at 11 o'clock and I was just going around like introducing myself, high-fiving the kids everywhere. And I walked up to this one family and they had like 12 kids. You know what I mean? Everyone was ready for the Easter egg hunt and I was getting to know them and, I, and, and just kind of introduced myself. And I remember I said, I said to the, I guess, I guess it would have been the, the father of the house. I was like, hey, bro. I was like, hey, you know, we have one more service in about, in about 15 minutes. We, I'd, lo- I'd love for you to, 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 to be a part of it. In fact, I, if you want, you can come sit right next to me, man. It's going to be a really great time. And our, there's a great kids ministry. And you, I, th- I just think your whole family would love it. And then afterwards, we'll have the Easter egg. A- Easter egg. And I remember his response. It's almost kind of like his whole body kind of just went, just kind of like pulled back. And he was like, you know what, Pastor? I, I, uh, I, I, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> I remember he was just like, I just don't think that I can go in there. I don't feel comfortable going in to that building. Would it be okay if we just, we just stayed out here and waited for the Easter egg hunt? And I said, absolutely, my brother. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. You know, sometimes we... Uh, buy into this religious idea that says, I have to be in a holy place, in a holy space, in order to meet with God, because that's where God resides. And because I'm not holy, I know that he doesn't want to draw close to me. But you see, my friends, that's what's so compelling about the Christmas story. That's why it's so beautiful. The God of the universe flips up that false religious notion. And in fact, his word actually pushes back. In the book 
of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Scripture says, all right then. This is Isaiah speaking. He's prophesying. He says, all right then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The God of the universe chose to name himself Emmanuel, which means I'm not far away from you. The God of the universe intentionally made a conscious decision to say I am with you. You don't have to go to somewhere holy to be with me. No, 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 no. Instead, I'm coming directly to you. And on that airplane, as I stood there and I watched this elderly gentleman perform his tradition, which I'm not so familiar with, I had my own personal moment with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reminded me over that Atlantic Ocean in the middle of the night, I am with you always. I am Emmanuel. I can meet you in the middle of the night on an airplane and you can connect with me in the same way that you would in a, a facility with a steeple on it. As I stood there with that gentleman out here on our church property across the street on our field, I looked at that brother and said, I want you to know one thing. Hear me out, my brother. You don't ever have to set foot in that building to meet with God. You can meet him right here and I want you to know right now that scripture confirms that he's here with us even right now and it was like it was like it was like a moment like that dude had like never heard that before it was almost kind of like it was like the weight was lifted off of his shoulder and we had this supernatural Jesus connection in that moment and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt a seed was planted in that family right there for all I know, they're attending here. I, I don't know, but I'm just telling you the Holy Space is right here with Him where He resides. And Here's the first thought I have to you concerning this conversation, and that, that is God shows up in our ordinary. He shows up in our ordinary. We, we, we serve a God who shows up in the mundane parts of our lives. We serve a God that shows up in the middle of crisis, in the middle of the things that we think are insignificant, important, the stuff that you don't post on Instagram, the stuff that you don't, haven't chosen the filter for quite yet. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's the type of God that we serve. He shows up in the ordinary aspects of our life and I could I could even present a pretty legitimate argument that that, according to Scripture, that's really his, that's his preference. Because when you read all throughout Scripture, you see the God of the universe meeting subjects, men, women, children, at the most, I don't know, insignificant times, if you will. I think about Moses in the burning bush out there in the desert, just doing his thing, man, out there all those years. And God meets him as spirit right there in that moment. I could go on and on throughout Scripture where we see God showing up in people's ordinary moments. And I want you to know, my friend, this is a fundamental component to the Christmas story. Go to the book of Luke chapter 2. This is the story. Luke chapter 2, verse 
starting in verse 8, confirms what I'm talking about here, the ordinary, routine moments. Scripture says, and there were shepherds. There were shepherds, not priests, not pastors, not rabbis, not, not, not rich people, not politicians, not elite people, not important people. They were shepherds. And one thing you should know about shepherds in that ancient world, they were low class. They were rejects, outcasts, nobodies. It was essentially, you know, find someone to go watch my sheep kind of a thing. It was dirty. It was dangerous. They were left alone. They were, they were just what, what society in that day deemed as insignificant and scripture says and there were shepherds right out of the gate scripture is promoting this class of rejects and affirming who they are and you're going to see that as we continue to read this it says and there were shepherds shepherds in that day in that day living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You talk about hope. I'm bringing, I, I got some information that's going to cause great joy. And not just a select group of people, all people is what the angel says to these outcasts. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. These poor, young, ordinary shepherds out minding their very ordinary business and a very extraordinary thing takes place. And that is the God of the universe begins to write his story in the most extraordinary way with who society deemed as a bunch of rejects, a bunch of nobodies. And my friend, can I encourage you today, if you're watching online, If you're sitting here right now, you should know that the enemy thinks that he's smart telling you that you're insignificant. You didn't finish school, so you're not that smart. You... You, your, your marriage ended abruptly, so no one will ever love you again. You, you come from a family of addicts, so you're going to battle addiction the rest of your life and it probably will end up killing you. The enemy thinks that he's, he's, he's winning. He's smart by telling you all of these things. But I want you to know that for whatever reason, God, God, God tends to work through people that look a whole lot like this group of shepherds in very ordinary situations that feel insignificant. This is who God chooses. And, you know, when I come here to CFAN, whether we're here in the physical in this room together or whether, even if we're connecting online, there's something very significant because we experience Christ together through being together. That's the power of gathering. That's the power of connecting even even, uh, through this live stream. We are connected at a very spiritual level. And there's, and there's significance there. When we come together and we worship together, we, we experience 
the, the, the vastness, the significance of Christ, when we give, when we serve, when we break bread, when we, when we get together in small groups, there's, those are significant moments in Christ. But let me tell you, it doesn't make them more significant moments than those ordinary moments that we experience throughout the week. They're as important. Why? Because God shows up in even the ordinary moments that we see all throughout our week. And man, let me tell you, have we not had to embrace that like no other time during this COVID-19 season? Man, there's been moments where it's like, it's like Groundhog's Day. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, I feel like, didn't we just do this yesterday? It's like, it's like, is this ever going to end? But let me just tell you right now, I'm telling you, I got to just speak for myself and then I'll speak for some other friends of mine. I'm telling you, I have had some of the most significant moments with Christ throughout this season. He has shown me stuff about myself and about what he wants for me and this church and this neighborhood and this entire community like no other time in my entire life. I've been broken down, man. You talk about being humbled. Man, this has been a season of humbling and and, and, and experiencing things for the very first time. There hasn't been a playbook for this season. And so that's required to embrace that. We, we could have rejected that, but we've leaned in. And in those moments, the Lord's been moving. For me specifically, I've had so many conversations with brothers and sisters during this season. Testimonies of what God's done. Significant moments that at face value would appear very ordinary and mundane. In fact, I was talking to one of my brother, uh, my brother John, who attends this church, and he was talking about one of these kind of ordinary, mundane uh, moments where he's been helping an elderly widow in, in our church here with her home. You know, she's uh, been in her house for all these years, and she's elderly, and husband's gone, and just been like just doing the Jesus stuff, right? And and she and he told me that he went over there with a group of guys, um, some from this church, and just some couple other guys who, who weren't even followers of Christ. And he, he told me that they were both up on this ladder and they were, they were cleaning out the gutters of this lady's house like on a Saturday afternoon. And they were, they were doing the Chevy Chase thing in Christmas vacation, you know what I mean, where they kind of like moved down the thing with the ladder, you know, doing that whole thing. And they were having a good time doing all the leaves and, and, uh, and uh, they got to talking and over the conversation, it turned, it turned the corner into more spiritual type of things. And this brother began to share with my brother John just all this stuff that was going on in life. And did you know that after about a, an, about a four-hour window of doing gutters and talking and, and being vulnerable, that my brother John ended up leading this brother to Christ on a ladder on a Saturday afternoon at a widow's house? Something that seemed so ordinary and mundane in that moment. Someone's life was transformed for the good forever. God shows up in very ordinary spaces of our life, and we see it so clear throughout the Scriptures. God responds to ordinary people in ordinary moments. The question is, how will we? How will we? Maybe you're listening today and you say, I get it, I accept that. In fact, I've experienced that for myself. What I want to know is, is there a way, like is there a strategy that I can initiate those ordinary moments into extraordinary God moments? And the answer is yes. So we've established that God does show up in ordinary moments, mundane moments of our lives. And when that happens, 
Here's a strategy. Worship shifts our ordinary. Worship shifts our ordinary. God shows up and how we respond in that moment matters. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you can embrace a life of worship unto God, everything you touch in life will change for the good. You say, Pastor, does that mean every five minutes I got to do a praise break where I I find my Chris Tomlin record and, and, and crank that thing up and hands raised in the middle of the street every five... That would be awesome. Yeah, if, you, if you've got a schedule like that, have at it, right? But the rest of us don't. I'm not necessarily talking about that type of worship, but Scripture's clear about what worship is and, 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 and how we can apply it to our lives. In Colossians chapter 3, man, I'm telling you, I don't want to riff, I don't want to rabbit trail, but the book of Colossians, go, just study it. It's so good. Chapter 3 talks specifically about how we do things in life. And let me just encourage you today, because this is what the word says. Maybe you walked in here and you feel like an insignificant human being. Like you feel like, you feel overlooked. You feel ordinary. You feel like what you contribute to the kingdom, to your neighborhood, to your community is very minute. Let let me, uh, can I blow that up for you right now according to scripture? Because Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 23, says this. Whatever you do. Now, did you hear that word? Whatever. Whatever you do. Some of you are inside. You're, like, you're going like this. But you're like, no way. Like, you don't know the stuff that I do. Right? <laughs> I didn't write this. I'm just. Whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. What if, you know, you're a stay-at-home dad, okay? Because society kind of places these tasks, right? You know, do you know how important that is? You stay-at-home dad to God? Like, what if you reframed it and like God showed up in the middle of the night like in the form of Jesus Christ, and said, hey, Bob, uh, I want you to know while you raise those kids at home, while your spouse is working, like this is, this is for me. Like wouldn't that, would it change the way how you like, you know, you scramble the eggs the next day? Like, you know what I'm talking about? If we could begin to think in terms of this, that whatever you do, you're doing it unto God. And if you're doing anything unto God, it's worship. So I hear people say to me all the time, Pastor, well, what you're doing is, that's, that's, that's what, what it means to do kingdom stuff. Not, not necessarily according to this passage of Scripture, because according to this passage of Scripture, I could, I, could, I could hit you with five other ones that when you swing a hammer or you, or, or you, you, you teach preschool or you sell real estate, according to the Word of God, right, it's unto Him. Maybe I'm spending too much time on that thought. Verse 24, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Let me remind you that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, in 2 Corinthians 6.16, in Ezekiel 36.27, 
in Isaiah 63, 11, in 2 Timothy 1, 14, in Acts 6, 5, Ephesians 5, 18, Romans 6, 11, John 16, 13, Galatians 5, 18, Romans 5, 9, Romans 8, 16, Galatians 4, 6, 1 John 2, 27, that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives inside of the believer, inside of you, meaning, meaning, meaning whatever you are. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing is now deemed impossible to be ordinary because where God's spirit is and where he resides, extraordinary things are always happening. So be encouraged today, my friend. Worship shifts, shifts what you think is ordinary because his spirit resides within you. Is this, is this encouraging anybody today? You're watching online? Put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. Come on. Go back to the text. We're, we're, we're turning the corner here. Luke chapter 2, verse 9. So let, let's get back to these, these ordinary sheep herders is what they are. Shepherds. Got it? Suddenly a great, excuse me, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. In the original language, in the original language, that word terrified actually translates to sore, sore afraid, which means they were so terrified that they were frozen, physically sore unto death, meaning they were so afraid that they feared that they were about to die. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there before. Have you ever been there where you're like, this is, were you just frozen, like, like you're full on, like never Jurassic Park when T-Rex is like right in front. The guy's like, I mean, it's over. You know, like you're just sore. To, I, was, I told in the first service, I remember like when we were first married and we lived in a little dumpy apartment, you know, newlyweds, the whole thing. And like we woke up and I was like, I was for sh- Like there was someone in the house. I knew there was someone in our little, you know, whatever, you know, 600 square foot apartment. I'm like, and that means they're right on us, you know? And I remember getting up and like getting out of bed. I'm just like, and like Ash is like, you could go do so. Like, you know, be the hero, save the day. You know, I'm just like, like, say, do it. You know, get your weapon. I don't have any weapon. You know, it's all. It was like, you know what I mean? Like, I can kind of relate. Now, this is an angel, so I'm sure this was a bit more dramatic. So, I just want to. I want you to feel it. You know what I mean? So, you're terrified, and it doesn't get any better. Look at verse 13. Suddenly. A great company of the heavenly host. That means a lot. Another translation says a multitude of angels. A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So, so God terrifies the, the dudes with one eight. So he sends more? Thanks, God. <laughs> Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. I love like their instant response. It's like, ah! okay, we'll do what you said. You know what I mean? It's like, it's awesome, right? Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. As our musicians come back, here's this third thought that I have speaking of the ordinary, and that is God wants to shine in our ordinary. He wants to shine. This is like 
This is his strategy, man. What's the shine in our ordinary? Go back to the text, verse 16. Scripture says that they hurried off. Dead sprint, man. It's like, whoa, we got to get going. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and a baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, when they experienced Jesus, when it was confirmed that what they had just witnessed with a bunch of angels and now they were right, look what they did. They spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child. First evangelist, man. It's like insignificant people. I'm reminded when Jesus comes out of the tomb, the people that are on the scene are women. He's like, women, more, more evangelists. People in the ancient world that look, look down on, insignificant, marginalized people. This is who God chooses, right? Verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, I was meditating on this passage all this week, just reading it and thinking about it and praying about it. And I was thinking to myself, I was really, you know, thinking about those shepherds, man. Just like that, what that experience would have been like. Because most of their lives would have been just so mundane and boring. Like not a lot of human interaction. And all of a sudden, like a heavenly host of angels shows up. And they're just like, what? I thought about how they responded to it. The emotions they were feeling. What they did with the experience. And I almost like kind of stopped and like asked God, like, why'd you do it that way? Have you ever done that? Where you're like, why, well, why, or, or, or even, or even worse, like, I think I have a better idea. Have you ever done that? Like, I'm just, I'll, you don't have to raise your hand. I feel like, like, God, the way you handled that, that's probably not what I would have done. You know, like, you know, that's just stupid JF flesh, you know, but I was thinking like, why didn't he just like, get a few more angels and just tell everybody in the entire world at the same time? Why do you just tell this select group of people who society may not even respond to? You know what I'm saying? And I felt like, I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of answered that real quickly for me. Have you ever had that moment where it's like, you don't have to wait that long and he kind of just gives you a little spiritual spanking? Like, come on! Like, I felt like that's what happened to me this week. And I felt like he just said, like, remember who the shepherds were. Ordinary, nobodies, outcasts, not just second class, like bottom, like, like nobodies, rejected. And like, so with that reality, they had the capacity to be humbled and amazed that God chose them to hear this news. Like they were able to do it. And, and just uh, uh, imagine how unworthy they must have felt, but how honored as well. Like, imagine that, knowing everything about who they were and how they had been 
labeled in society, just how unworthy to think that the God of the universe was selecting them to do his work. But can you imagine how honored they must have been? Because we, we see it in the scripture. It's like they're terrified. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my word, I get to do this? Just take, this says he hurried off to, and so there's this beautiful picture of the power of humility because based on Jesus's opinion of the religious leaders of that day, I, I just don't think that they would have responded the same way. I just really don't. There was something about the capacity. There was something about these shepherds that only they could deliver this news, news because of the posture of their heart. Oh my word. When I had that downloaded to me, it was like, it was like, it was encouraging, but it was convicting too. It was like, JF, like is, is that the posture of my heart? Like, I, all I want is to be used by God. But, there, but there's a posture. There's a, there's a way that he's calling and he's selecting too. I, I think about the people in my life, you know, who have done beautiful Jesus work at a, on a global level and at a very local level too. They're all, they've always carried this beautiful spirit of humility. It's never been about them. It's always been about him. And God's used them in significant ways and continues to. In fact, there's many of them sitting in this room right now. I'm looking at some of them right now and in my life. Just pictures that are popping in my head right now of, of missionaries who never got a website, <laughs> never had a Twitter feed, never who gave their life to places in this world and seed and, 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 and revival out of their work. Beautiful thing. So, this, so that was the first thought that I had. The second part of this is, Scripture says that after they saw the child, Scripture says that they spread the word, but they didn't just spread, spread the word. They spread the word concerning what they knew. And I just read it. They the angels only gave them about this much information, right? And the information they got in about six sentences was radical, you know, like, and, and my takeaway from that, it wasn't like they went to seminary and it wasn't like they had time to like, let's, let's go to our mentors on this or, or, or they didn't overthink it. They didn't, was that the pizza from last night? There were just, wait a second. They weren't too cool for school, right? Oh, that didn't really, hey, you didn't see that. No one saw that. Let's go back to work. There's none of that stuff. They were humbled, and Scripture says that they spread the word concerning what they knew with the information they had. They had nothing to lose. They were honored to share the gospel. Humbled. No agenda. No attitude. And what happened when these uneducated, rejected Poor, smelly, outcast, this group, the shepherds. What happened when they spread the word? Scripture says that the people were amazed. People were amazed. I'm, I bet they were. <laughs> I can only imagine those dudes rolling. Ah! It doesn't say, but I'm sure they did it in a pretty dramatic way too. You know what I'm saying? Just like, but this is what Scripture says. God wants to shine in the ordinary moments of our life. So the question is, what is the requirement? Well, I think I answered it, and Scripture does too. The requirement is a humble, willing, selfless heart that reflects the character of Christ. This is who Christ chooses, and God wants to shine. 
And this is a snapshot of the Christmas story. But the greatest element, component, uh, foundation of this entire story is the fact that we're called to follow in the footsteps of these shepherds. But the one who came modeled it for us, right? The Son of God coming to this earth in such a humble way, a selfless way. I could go on and on and on, and many of you know the details, him in the manger, what the significance of that was, born around animals and their waste. And oh, Jesus never asked any of us to do something that he wasn't willing to do. And I want you to know he did it all already. He set the bar to a place that we will never reach. And we're not called to, to reach it because we can't. He did it all for us, but we are to pursue emulate, to look more like him every single day. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, that is. If you're a disciple of Christ, I hope I look a little bit more like him than I did yesterday. Now, with that said, of course, we're going to make mistakes. We're broken humans, but that's the power of his blood. That's the power of his sacrifice. That's the power of his love is that it covers all of that. I said in the first service that the enemy would lie to you and say that, no, actually, more penance is required in your life to have what it is he's already given and offered to you. And I see it often. Believers almost subconsciously paying penance through all kinds of acts of work or whatnot. And, and, I'm, and I'm con sometimes I have to have conversations, just, hey, brother, like, like why are you doing this? And based on some of the responses, I can kind of diagnose what's going on. And so, some, some of those moments have been some of the most beautiful conversations I've ever had. Like, oh, I didn't realize. Like, like it's already been taken care of. We, there's, this, there's this pull the enemy will try to lie to you about that we have, to, we, have to, we have to do more than what Jesus has already done. And I want you to know, my friend, if you battle that in your life, I want you to know that that is really a spirit of pride and arrogance because essentially what you're saying is what you did, Jesus, on the cross isn't enough. I've got to do some more too. I said that in the last service and someone stopped me in the lobby. You're like, that was the deal. That was the game changer for me right there, right? This, fall, this, this, this like sense of like false humility. It's like, whoosh, whoosh, you know what I mean? Like, like oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm just going to keep. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? You're saying, I'm telling you, he's already done it all. He came on mission to show us what it looks like to live. And then he gave his life for you and I so that we wouldn't have to for ourselves. He's made a way. And that's what this week is all about. This Thursday evening, we're going to come in here and we're going to celebrate that. We're going to light candles together. If you're not able to come, we'll be online. Find some candles. You'll do it with us, right? The candle represents the light coming into this darkness. And we're going to transfer the candle, the light. And this room, it'll be dark in here. And by the time this room, it'll be, it'll, it'll be so bright because everyone's light will shine. But it's not because we did it. It's because Christ, because Christ came. He was the initial light. And then through, through you and I, other people connect. And it's, that's, that's how he set it up. 
So today, as we close, I want to pray for you as we move into this sacred week, this holy week of celebrating and remembering Jesus coming. And as we gather with our immediate families and loved ones, man, have fun, man. Eat some really good food, right? Laugh, watch the funny Christmas movies and have a good time. But sprinkle in, right? Have some real moments. Maybe you're a, maybe, maybe a, you're a mom and dad and you got some kiddos or, or maybe you're a single parent home or maybe you want to take some time and really talk to your kids about really the significance of that. And I know so many of you are already doing that, but just an encouragement. This is, this is such an amazing time. And he is the hope. If you're watching online right now and you feel hopeless, so many people do. I want you to know that he is with you right now if you'll just say yes. Acknowledge it. Scripture says that I stand at the door and knock. If anyone just opens it, invites me in, I'll, I'm, I'm going to come in, I paraphrase, and be with you and give you hope and strength and healing. So right now, across this auditorium, if you're watching online, maybe in your family room or wherever you're at, in your break room at work, you just want to bow your head, close your eyes. If you can't close your eyes, it's not about closing your eyes. It's just, it's just a moment to take, to get alone with you and the Spirit of Christ. You say, Pastor, as we get closer to Christmas, I want to give my life to Jesus. This has been a hard year, but it hasn't just been this year. It's been so long in my life where I've battled so many things, where I felt so insignificant, broken, all of this stuff, addicted, broken relationships, pain, bitterness, abuse. I talked to so many people who they really can put a facade on, put up a front, smile, but when you really start talking, there's a lot of hurt and pain. And I want you to know, my friend, Jesus came for you. Jesus knows about all of those details of your life. He knows about the skeletons in your closet. He, he, he knows about that secret addiction. He knows about that secret life that nobody else knows about. And in the midst of all of that, despite all of that, that's the beautiful thing. Like even with all of that going on, he loves you more than you could ever know. And he wants to heal you from those things. He wants to walk with you. He wants to give you insight and direction. Scripture says that he wants to guide you. Like when a decision needs to be made, if you allow him, he would love, for you, he would love to partner with you in that decision to where you'll make a decision and you'll be like, man, that'll be, I, I can't tell you how many times this happened in my life where it was time to make a decision. And we prayed and it was like, all right, this is, this is, this is the direction we're going to go in. And then looking back, it was like, I would, that, wasn't, that wasn't my original idea. And it was like, well, that was God, right? I, I, could, I could tell you specific, all over, how, how my wife and I even came to this church. I'm telling you, full on uh, uh, providential timing of God. I, just, I, can't, 
I could, let's go to coffee when they open Starbucks up again, okay? And I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out. It's impossible on, on face value. But you know what? God. God, God, God. God, God. He's shown up so many times in my life. So many friends, so many of my family members. And he'll do that for you too, my friend. If you're listening, watching, wherever you're at right now, you can receive it. You don't have to pay penance. I don't need 150 push-ups, no backflips, nothing, no Hail Marys, none of that stuff. All you have to do is simply say, I receive and I believe. I was reading early this morning in John chapter six, where, where the disciples come to Jesus and, and they're like, how do, how do we know and how do we do the work of God? Essentially what they're saying, like, what do we got to do to be good with him? That's essentially what they're saying. You know, you know what Jesus said? He said, that you got, well, you got to go to seminary, man. And you got you to like, you give, give me money. No, 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 he didn't say any of that stuff. You know what he said? You know what the work, according to Jesus, do you know what the works of God is? Jesus said to believe in the one whom he has sent. So the requirement to receive this amazing gift called salvation is to simply believe. Now, I know you're watching right now and you're like, yeah, but in the back of your head, like that's impossible. I'm telling you, I can't wrap my head around it either. And religious people, man, uh, that actually really bothers them, all right? But I want you to know this is who Jesus is and this is who he came. He came for a broken dude with a navy blazer on today, okay? He came for however you got here, wherever you're watching from. He came for you and for me. Now it's time to simply believe and receive. Is there works? Is there things that we do? For, absolutely, but that's not what gets us into heaven or that's not what gets salvation. None of that stuff. That's, that's other great stuff that improves your life, that just shows to the world that this is who I follow because I'm just looking more like Jesus every day. But that's, that doesn't get you, do you see what I'm saying? But you can start right now. Come on, bow your heads. Here we go. If you're watching online, you're in this room on the count of three, you say, I want Jesus. I want to say yes to him. I believe in him. I want to receive him in my life. I repent of my sins, my mistakes. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right now, one, two, three. That's you. Slip your hand up in this auditorium. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, three. Anybody else in this auditorium? Thank you, friend. You're watching online. You're on the job site. You got one ear pod in, in and you're swinging a hammer. Raise, keep swinging. Put your hand up right now. Come on. Wherever you're at. Doesn't matter where you're at. Your ordinary spots, spirit shows up. Now just say this out louder in your spirit. Lord, I'm a sinner. Meaning, I've made mistakes and you know all about them. You came for someone just like me. I believe that you came. I believe in who you are and what you said. I don't know all the details, but I'm looking forward to leaning in and learning. And today is the beginning of the rest of my life walking with you, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were perfect, sinless, that you are the Son of God, that you rose from the dead, that you're alive that I have access to your spirit now. So I receive that in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for every one of us as we start this week, this holy, sacred Christmas week, 
God, we're so grateful that you came. God, we give you thanks and praise for loving us so much. So Lord, right now, we thank you that even as we leave this auditorium, as we sign off of Facebook or YouTube as we're watching right now, every moment, every conversation, every decision we make, every task that we engage in is unto you. And your word says that those moments, even the ordinary ones now are deemed extraordinary because of your word and how you see us and what you want for us and what you have in store for us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.